This program is brought to you by PersonalLifeMedia.com. Hi, and welcome to Green Talk, a podcast series from GreenLivingIdeas.com. Green Talk helps listeners in their efforts to lead more eco-friendly lifestyles through interviews with top vendors, authors, and experts from around the world. We discuss the critical issues facing the global environment today, as well as the technologies, products, and practices that you can employ to go greener in every area of your life. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Green Talk Radio. This is your host, Sean Daly, and we're going to be talking about a very important topic today, which is clean, safe drinking water and bottled water. And this is a very important issue. Um, many of you have seen it in the news lately, uh, and for the past few years, it's, it's gotten a lot of airtime. The reason this is an important issue is the bottled water industry is a $7 billion industry in the U.S., and in 2004, the global consumption of bottled water reached 41 billion gallons, which is up 57% from five years before. And according to a, the Earth Policy Institute, even in areas where tap water is safe to drink, demand for bottled water is increasing, producing unnecessary garbage and consuming vast quantities of energy. The U.S. actually consumes 17% of those 41 billion gallons, which is more than any other country in the world. And so this is a very, it's a very big issue. It has a huge impact on the planet uh, and on our lives. And there's also issues um, with regards to uh, with bottled water, the recyclability, and things like this. So before I get any further into that, I want to introduce my guest. He is Dave Burke. He's the president and COO of Primo Bottled Water and Primo to Go. Uh, he's responsible for the manufacturing, distribution, and marketing of a new environmentally friendly Primo water, which the bottles for which are actually made from plants rather than crude oil. So this is something new. Uh, and in this episode, Dave's going to talk to me and tell you why he feels Primo and buying their uh, variety of bottled water is a smart and green buying decision. And uh, Dave actually comes back from a background. He served as the chief marketing officer for Pepsi and vice president of sales and marketing before that for Coca-Cola. So Dave, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks, Sean. Thanks very much for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, again, I'm very excited to talk about this issue. There's, there's so many things. It's kind of, it's kind of even hard to know where to dive in. So I guess we'll just start. <laughs> what I'd like to hear, um, you know, we'll, we'll talk about the issues I think related to, to clean, safe drinking water and bottled water later. But why don't you start off by just telling us about the Primo bottle? Because I think one of the more intriguing aspects of Primo is the fact that you're using this, um, you're using this plastic that's based on plants and not crude oil. So why don't we just start there? Yeah, here, here's the, uh, thanks so much, here's what I think your, your listeners might enjoy, and it's quite simply this. If every plastic beverage bottle uh, in the United States was made from this NGO natural plastic that Primo bottles are made from, we would actually save a billion gallons of gasoline a year. And I know that sounds like a, like a big, big number, and even a number that's, uh, if you will, somewhat hard to believe, but uh, it's actually footnoted and on our website, and uh, it's uh, it's something we're excited to uh, to bring to the marketplace. Interesting. So now, this NGO is this something that Primo yourselves developed the technology behind this? Are other companies using it, or is it just you? Yeah, the NGO the NGO is actually a special uh, resin that was formed by NatureWorks. NatureWorks is a, a company that's a subsidiary of Cargill, uh, and we are the exclusive users of uh, NGO relative to bottled water. And, and you mentioned you mentioned Sean very appropriately how big this segment is. It's seven billion. Some would even have it as big as ten billion. 
And what a lot of folks don't realize is, even with all of the issues that you outlined that are out there, this bottled water category in the United States is still growing at 10% a year. Or said another way, adding about a billion dollars worth of retail value year after year after year. And, and the interesting thing to us when we were thinking about how could, we, how could we help in a different way, the interesting thing to us is these consumer trends, the three big consumer trends of resealability, portability, and healthy beverages or potable beverages, those trends aren't going to go away anywhere. They're, they're not going to disappear. Consumerism drives, as you know, virtually everything in our society. Right. The unfortunate part about the size of the category, as you know, is all of those plastic bottles are made from crude oil. Much of it's foreign crude oil, actually. Um, and for us, we thought, you know, we ought to be able to solve this problem or, or hope to solve this problem a different way. Why don't we go to the beginning of life rather than... Uh, than tackling the issues that, that, frankly, have been difficult to tackle. Uh, and therefore, our bottle, as you said, is actually made from plants, not crude oil. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that's interesting. I mean, it's an interesting take on it. It's certainly important. I think the issue needs to be tackled from all sides. And it's fascinating to hear of a company that's, that is going to, um, fa- to you know, tackle it, on, on, as you said, on the front end at the, the beginning. So I'm, I'm just kind of uh, curious, too, about ha- does, has Primo gotten involved on the back end in terms of doing any kinds of educational campaigns or things like that to help people, I don't know, to educate people about recycling uh, the, the bottles or how, to re- you know, how these are reused or anything along those lines on the, on the sort of, on the, on the uh, I won't say the grave side of the cradle to grave, but you know, on the back end of post-consumption. I had, I had a friend of mine say, uh, can you call it the Grateful Dead, you know, uh, which I thought was kind of a clever way to put it. Right. Uh, the, short answer is, uh, the short answer is yes, and actually we, we, we've done more than, I guess, attempt to tackle it. We actually, we actually have the, the, uh, the other side of our company, if you will, is Primo Water in three- and five-gallon uh, containers. Uh, the unique thing about us is uh, those containers you can actually buy at your favorite grocery store, take it home, use it on your water cooler at home. And then when you bring it back to the grocery store, we give you a ticket and you get 50% off your next bottle. So all of our bottles in our three and five gallon, 100% are recycled and 0% end up in a landfill. So that's actually the way we started our company, Sean. On, on, on the large scale bottles. Yeah, exactly, on the three and five gallon bottles. And that, uh, that, that business continues to resonate with consumers that, hey, I get it, I can enjoy the great taste of Primo. Um, and I get to buy it where I buy my groceries, and I can bring it back, and, and I'm, I'm uh, confident that this, this bottle will never end up in a landfill and get reused, uh, which is the good news. Um, specific to the, the bottle I described a moment ago that's made from, from uh, plants and not crude oil, we actually have three end-of-life options uh, today, right this, right this minute. Uh, it can be recycled. Uh, it can be uh, biodegraded if it is in a commercial composting facility. Let me pause on that second one for a minute. Mm-hmm. By no means would we suggest that a consumer actually throw it in their backyard. I think, I think there are others in Europe uh, that tried to do this with some uh, juice beverages and exa- as an example and suggest that that's actually not the right way to dispose of, uh, of a bottle. It, it needs to be in a commercial composting facility. The really cool story is when it is, it will actually... Um, biodegrade in about 80 to 90 days, give or take, uh, and turn back into uh, uh, inorganic substances. Uh, and then the third option is it can be incinerated and turned into thermal energy, uh, and, and that can be done uh, today as we speak. Um, 
and then we also realize it's it's actually it's actually a great question, Sean. We also realize we we are very much at the beginning of bioresins invisible categories in the U.S. So we're actually working with the recycling industry and environmental experts to improve and and expand on these end of life options. And you know this is way bigger than a bioresin conversation, but we. We certainly stand for recycling. We'd like more recycling options. We know that four out of ten Americans don't even have curbside service uh, in the U.S. today, which is hard to believe. But um, we certainly stand for more recycling of everything and more often that we use. Mm -hmm. Okay. And if you don't mind, I just want to switch topics a little bit here um, or switch, uh, you know, um, still sticking with bottled water. One of the other reasons that the bottled water industry has gotten a black eye of late has been with regards to some of the testing that's been done on the quality of various bottled water, some of the larger um, uh, product lines that are out there. Um, and in some cases, you know, it's come to light that, for example, the quality of the bottled water that you're paying you know, $3 for or whatever it is, is equal or even inferior to what would come out of the tap in some cases. And, and of course, that depends on where you are and, what, and your tap. But, but so I'm just curious about Primo. Uh, in regards to where are you guys sourcing your water? Is it municipal water? What's the deal there? Yeah, it's a great question. We start with municipal water. Uh, that is absolutely true. I think the bigger question is what do you do afterwards? Uh, so does your favorite uh, uh, beer or soft drink, by the way, which is kind of interesting. But to me, the question is really what, what is done to it afterwards? For Primo, that answer is we take our particles down to the lowest possible standard that's avail- available, quite frankly, way, way lower than, than municipal water standards. And then we add back an enriched mineral package, uh, just enough to give it a preferred taste. And I think, you know, I sort of alluded to these consumer trends that continue to fuel uh, the bottled water category. Those, those trends really are, are, are heading towards taste. I mean, I have a, I have a 14 and a 16-year-old, I, I don't know about you, but when I grew up, it was it was the water out of the fountain in my elementary school, my in my uh, in my nice public school in Northern Virginia. Um, my my kids can delineate water today, and we got a whole new generation that can actually determine taste. And we wanted to make sure we absolutely had our taste profile nailed, and we actually went out, Sean, and did a, a, a six thousand blind taste test. We emphasis on blind. Uh, and we won three out of four of those taste tests against uh, the leading spring water in the country, and we won four out of five against tap water. So taste is a, an incredibly important uh, uh, important indicator here, and, and we think we got that part nailed. Well, cer- and certainly it is important. And, and as a full disclaimer, I, you guys sent uh, two two bottles of Primo to us for this podcast to, to check out the, the product, and, and I'm actually drinking it right now as I'm doing this podcast. And oh, uh, my engineer is drinking. Yeah, my other my engineer is drinking the other bottle, and I can just say, I mean, it, it it has what I look for in in bottled water, which is I don't want to taste anything. I want it to just taste like clean water. So I'll definitely give you guys props for that. It, it, for at least to my taste, it's completely subjective, but it just has that sort of you know clean taste. So I'm not tasting anything funky, and I'm, I'm wondering about how you achieve that. I know that sometimes I've been told in the past by by people who are experts in this that. You know, sometimes with actually the cleaner waters, uh, you can't associate the taste of it with with what's in it. There's no way to really determine or make that kind of dis- uh, distinction or connection between quality and, and the taste of it. So that twi- I guess when you're, what you're saying is supporting this, which is taste is sort of its own vector, its own area, uh, separate from the the sort of the the um, health issues and things like that. Is that is that true? Yeah, I I would say that's right. It, it's funny to your point. You you uh, it, it's 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 tough but not impossible 
to get a water down with essentially zero parts that, that a human tongue can determine it, it, it's certainly possible. The interesting thing when you do that is a lot of people don't like it, uh, to your point. They actually do want a tiny bit of mineral taste, and, and I think you described it as crisp, and we get, we get the phrase clean quite a bit, uh, tastes clean to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, to your point, the, the reality is it's got to taste great, and clearly it has to survive not just not just federal government standards in terms of safety, but uh, the, the highest possible. We, we, uh, we certainly would intend to take a leadership position in that regard. So that's interesting. So it's actually, we actually, it's the presence of, and I'm not going to call them, it's not obviously not a contaminant, but the presence of sort of something not related to water, in this case, the minerals is actually what many people associate with a normal or, or clean taste. Is actually that's right. Okay. That's so, and that actually, and this is the experience I've had is I've tasted water that didn't have the mineral in it. And it, didn't, it tasted funny to me, but it was more sort of quote unquote clean in that it was more pure water, but it didn't yep, taste that, quite that's right. Exactly right. Yeah, that's that's very interesting. And and I know that I, I don't know what they do with it, but I know that just again, this is completely subjective. But just uh, um, my and your your own your mileage may vary out there. But you know, when I, <laughs> when I go to Europe, I don't know if there's a different flavor profile, taste profile. That, that exists in different parts of the world, but I know that a lot of them, uh, a lot of the French bottled water, for example, I don't like like Evian and Vittel and things like that. that there's a there's a particular taste to it. I'm not questioning their their cleanliness or anything, but uh, there's a taste to it that I that I I note, and I think in that market probably goes well uh, goes over well. I don't know whether it does in this market. Is that true yeah. that there's different flavor profiles? I, I think there is. Here's a really I've actually never shared this with uh, with anyone before, but here's a here's a thought your your listeners might enjoy. If you really want to determine a water's taste, uh, you know, kind of doing your own taste test, so to speak, on your kitchen table or what have you, do it at room temperature. Mm-hmm. It's actually very much like wine. You want to involve your nose in that. Um, and what you'll find with some water, some popular waters, particularly of a spring, uh, spring uh, background, they will have an odor to it which comes out at about 55 to 65 degrees. Uh, and some other waters too. And, and when you said you, the European water, maybe think of that because uh, that's typically what you'll find. But to, in order to truly measure taste of water, uh, stick it at room temperature in a couple of different vials, and uh, I'll bet you, I'll bet you, your average family will have a different take. Yeah, no, that's very true. And I'm, I'm, this is a complete aside tangent, but I'm glad you said that about the wine because I always have friends. I live in wine country here, and and I always have friends that if I'm not an expert, one thing I've learned is you know you don't take white wine and, and chill it past a certain point because it, you know at that point you can't hardly even taste the, the quality of the wine yeah. but I always yeah. have friends that are sticking in the refrigerator and saying oh this is just a little too warm and it's like really you know just a little bit lower than room temperature is ideal for a white wine so yeah anyway, you're exactly decide. right that's exactly right <laughs> yeah. so m- moving on I'm also curious now so obviously there's, so there's two parts of your business here you've got you've got the larger refillable bottled waters like the you know, the kind that people bring in and, and refill at a, at a, at a, uh, a, a water, refilling station or things like that and then you've got the single serve bottles um, are, are you guys right now with the single serve bottle? Let's focus on that for a minute. Uh, is that a nationwide um, availability that you've got with the Primo product there? Yeah, thanks, Sean. We actually, again, we're, we're excited to do this this uh, discussion with you today. We're, we're brand new with the single serve bottles. We actually started uh, earlier in the month of April, so not, we're not even a month old. We're actually in 40 states today, right this minute. Um, uh, the good folks at Kroger, uh, they have 2,400 grocery stores across the country. Uh, and out west, you might know them as Fred Meyer up in the uh, Portland, Oregon area, or Ralph's down in the Southern California area, uh, or, let me think, or Smith's out in, uh, out in Utah. Uh, those are all the Kroger family of stores. They have Primo water today, Primo uh, to go, as we call it. 
Um, the other thing, um, you didn't ask this, but I, I'd like to hit on this, and it, and it really goes to our, our, motion, our notion of living green and of, of being environmentally responsible. We never thought that the consumer should have to make a sacrifice. And while, while I certainly wouldn't call out any other brands, the notion of buying a hybrid vehicle today means I have to spend a whole lot more money out of my pocket to do that. The notion of buying uh, compact fluorescent light bulbs means I have to spend quite a bit more than an average light bulb. I'm happy to do it, but it involves sacrifice as a consumer. For us, you can buy a case of Primo today, right this minute, for $5. And we want it to be affordable and available right out of the gate, day one. Now, a lot of, a lot of quote-unquote marketing uh, experts, Sean, said we ought, to, we, we ought to premium price our product and, and make it a niche and all that, and that's just not consistent with our, with our image and what our what our mission is as a company. We want to make this, again, as I said, available and affordable to everybody. And we, uh, and we will be more available this summer, uh, rolling out to some of your, your, most, uh, your most well-known uh, grocery stores and, and uh, mass merchandisers uh, coming up here in June. So we're, we're real, real excited. It's, we're off to a terrific start, and, uh, and we hope people uh, give us a look. Yeah, great. Well, we're going to take a break right here, Dave, and uh, we'll be right back. Everybody hang tight. We'll be right back with Green Talk Radio. We're talking about uh, clean and safe drinking water and bottled drinking water with Dave Burke, who's the president and COO of Primo and Primo to Go. We'll be right back on Green Talk Radio. Listen to Living Green, effortless ecology for everyday people, a weekly online audio program featuring champions of sustainable living at personallifemedia.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Green Talk Radio. This is Sean Daly, and my guest again is Dave Burke, and we're talking about bottled water, and Dave is with Primo. He's the CEO and COO, sorry, and president of Primo and Primo to Go. Dave, when we, uh, we were talking about the, bottled, uh, the bottles used in the water earlier in the, the broadcast, and I wanted to just drill in a little bit. You know, I, I, We've been talking about the, the bottle, but I was realizing, I mean, there's more than there's the label and there's the cap. Are, are those also... Uh, you know, something that's 100%, uh, are these non-petroleum-based as well, or uh, what's the deal with those? Yeah, good, yeah, Sean, really good question. Today, right now, when you purchase our case pack of Primo water, the bottle itself, just the bottle, uh, is made from, uh, from NGO natural plastic, from a renewable plastic from plants. So today, right this minute, the label, what we call the closure or the cap, uh, and the outer packaging still is made from, uh, from traditional petroleum-based material. I think the exciting news is we've got uh, developmental work underway on all those fronts, the label, the shrink film, the closure. And, and I want to I pause and, and challenge your listeners to think about this for a second. When we get to that moment where 100% of the packaging is made from renewable resources and those resources ultimately are recycled, and think about it being bottled water, we actually could say we have the perfect product for the very, very first time. Your grandkids, my grandkids, could actually be drinking out of a, uh, out of a completely renewable, sustainable package in 2070 from plants grown in America way, way back in 2005. And that vision actually, at least with us, is not that far away. It's, it's exciting for us to think about. So the short answer is we're, we're getting close to being 100% packaging from a renewable resource. Okay. 
Well, and so, and I guess in the other, just to give fair time to other options that are out there for our listeners uh, that are listening in today, um, you know, another way uh, that people are going is, you, you know, pulling out of the tap and using, uh, well, using filtration systems in some cases. And there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of controversy with regards to many filtration systems about whether they do their jobs or not. So I'll leave that uh, up to you, uh, the listener, to, to do your own research on that. But certainly it's something to, to investigate. First of all, it's very important to get your water tested no matter what before you go out and buy a filtration system because you need to know what you're trying to filter the tap water in various areas uh, cha- it varies widely uh, so you know you, you need to know sort of what contaminants if any exist before you start buying a filtration system to make sure that that filtration system actually is capable of removing those contaminants so something important to mention um, and then if you regardless of whatever water you've got uh, in terms of a day-to-day carry around, there are products such as those from uh, SIG, S-I-G-G, uh, and then uh, Clean Canteen, which is a K. Uh, those are two companies that use basically metal bottles, aluminum, um, and with it, it's an impermeable alloy, and so it's another way to go. Uh, there's um, uh, other options there. and uh, But again, you and I were talking before the podcast is that this isn't really an either-or issue. I mean, a good example is I, I at home tend to carry around the SIG bottle, and um, uh, and we have a filtration system and, and such, but you know when when I travel, uh, I don't, I you know I can't refill that easily with my. I don't have my tap system, my filtration system, uh, and it's just not convenient for me. So, for example, at the airport, they're going to take away your bottled water, as anybody who travels knows very well. Uh, yeah. And you're at that point, you're buying bottled water or you're dehydrating. Um, and so, you know, it's. I think it's important to have these other choices because, regardless of your feeling, if you're a 100% bottled water person or if you're somebody who's using it supplementally, whatever it is, I think we all want to have better choices. Um, for the um, you know the, the the container that is being used and that source of that container and its effect on the planet. So I think also another important thing here is to mention, and we've been talking about the other guys and the, and the option exactly what that is, and and I know that that goes by PET. Can you can you tell us exactly what a traditional PET bottle, what that means, what that is, and and uh, sort of where they come from, just so everybody understands. Sure, P, uh, it's it's actually an acronym PET. Believe it or not. Um, and, and Sean, I'm not a chemistry major, so I'm going to butcher this, mm. but it stands for polyethylene terephthalate. Um, that was better than I could have done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, was, I was an old high school football player, so that'll tell you what my IQ is. Um, but uh, that, that essentially is what every clear plastic bottle that you and your listeners have ever held in your hand. It's, it's essentially all polyethylene terephthalate. The... the, the uh, fundamental source of that is uh, foreign crude oil uh, and that's where those bottles come from right and that's and, and, I, and I understand that, that the concern there is that it's it's said to leach something called DEHA which is a known carcinogen if it's used more than once so particularly there are concerns with regards to the reuse of those bottles yeah and, and um, it's a that's a tough topic obviously I, I know the FDA uh, came out uh, earlier this week you know, highlighting all of the products that uh, that was in, and then again reiterating its safety. Um, you know, you, you said it before. I, I think the most important thing is that people are drinking more water. Uh, you know, you hear about four out of five people walking around are dehydrated at any point in time. I don't, that, I don't know if that's because yeah. we're a service economy anymore, or we're drinking uh, we're drinking too much of our favorite coffee, or what. I'm not sure, but we we should be drinking more water. Period. Um, I'll stay on the sidelines whether BPA is uh, is safe or unsafe. I, I it's it's been in our marketplace as you know for the better part of four and a half decades, and and a wide wide variety of products uh, 
in your home and in your in your uh, work life and in your in your food life. So yeah, and give, uh, to, to give a fair time to that, if you don't mind, because I, I did want to. That's we've talked about that with uh, the naturopath Elizabeth Large on the show, and we talked about uh, bisphenol A, BPA, and it's basically it's a carb, polycarbonate, and it's it's used uh, by companies like Nalgene uh, in the form of it's the brand name Lexan. And that's said to leach the bisphenol A, uh, and it basically is said to mimic the hormone estrogen, which is basically said to act as an endocrine disruptor, which would um, allegedly cause uh, chromosome damage and, and hormone disruption. And, that, and that's a view that's widely held in the scientific and medical community. But there is, of course, as there always is, contention with that. Um, but and also to be fair, and we've talked about the Nalgene aspect on this show before with regards to the Lexan BPA issue. Uh, it, it's important to note also that Nalgene has recently they've gotten a big PR black eye through this process. They have now developed uh, in response, uh, apparently a BPA free line of bottles. And I wanted to mention that to our listeners too, something I just found out about recently. Um, and, uh, and Sean, I should say, if I didn't make it clear, there is no BPA in uh, Primo to go. And that was what I was going to ask you. And what about um, on the other side, on the, the, on the Primo to go, I take that, is that both the smaller bottles, the individual size, as well as the larger three and five gallons? Uh, the the nat, the NGO natural resins, great question. Today is uh, is what we use for the smaller bottle, the uh, the Primo to go, as we call it. And we actually continue to explore ways, possibly becoming. Um, I, I guess this would be somewhat of an announcement. <laughs> I wasn't unprepared for this, but uh, we're looking at ways to uh, to possibly use uh, this same natural resin for a large a larger container, like a three or a five gallon bottle, which would be really really special for us. So. Uh, it sounds simple. Uh, just just make it in a bigger container. It's. Uh, I, I wish the world of manufacturing was was that simple. But uh, but we're going to go down that path. And we're going to try a couple of different things. So okay. And and so for right now on the three and five gallons, you're using the traditional uh, bottle types that are. Is that right? We, we are. We are using traditional polycarbonate on our three and five gallon bottles. Yes. Okay. Right, well, we'll be interested to follow that and hear about the developments there because, I mean, I imagine, I think that, you know, it sounds like Primo is really, this is another tool sort of in the arsenal to make drinking bottled water potentially, as you put it before, something that is safe for, you know, both humans and, and for the earth. And so um, you guys are clearly a leader in the industry right now with what you've done on the single serving. So we'll be interested to follow uh, future developments on that side. Well, I, I appreciate that. I, I, our hope is that if you pursue great taste and doing something good for the environment at the same time, as opposed to either or, uh, that, a, that a, a consumer or your listener would certainly take a look at Primo to go. It's a, it's a pretty special deal. Great. And do you have any other tips or information or anything you'd like to leave our listeners with today before we sign off? Uh, drink more water. That would be it. Yeah, yeah. We are a chronically de- dehydrated society. That's true. A lot of the studies say that. And, you know, you had actually mused about that earlier, uh, about why that might be. And one of the things I've heard, I'm no expert, but one of the things I've, I've heard is they've done studies where the, the symptoms of thirst don't come forward. Like the, the, our, body aren't, our bodies aren't very um, well prepared to indicate thirst to us in an early warning system. So actually what happens is yep. often it comes up as hunger. And so that also can lead to chron- chronic overeating because thirst will initially come forth um, as, as being hunger. And it's not until you're already completely dehydrated that you actually get the signal of being thirsty and dry mouth and things like that. So that's, um, that's absolutely very true. Sean, to your point, I, I coach uh, youth football, pop Warner football, and we're, we're telling our 11 and 12 year olds to drink water, lots of water before a game. Cause you know, a 12 year old boy, once they're, 
once they're halfway through and they're they're dying of thirst, uh, they're not going to tell you it's too late at that point. So that, that's right. It's, it's so a great it's, point. Yeah. So it has to be really proactive and not reactive, especially that's with regards sure. to water. Yeah. Great. Well, again, uh, my guest today has been Dave Burke. He's the president and COO of Primo and Primo to Go. It's a company that's developed a line of bottled water that is based on plants and not oil with the containers. Dave, we really appreciate you being on the program today. Sean, thanks so much. Thank you for having me. Thanks as always to everyone listening in today. Remember, for more free on-demand podcasts, articles, videos, and other information related to living a greener lifestyle, visit our website at www.greenlivingideas.com. We'd also love to hear your comments, feedback, and questions. Send us an email at editors at greenlivingideas.com. Find more great shows like this on personallifemedia.com.